On today's Locked On Texans podcast, the Houston Texans add more depth across that defensive line. And who was better as a rookie, C.J. Stroud or Deshaun Watson? You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Thursday episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your Texans football analyst, John, some sports guy, Hickman. And, of course, joining me, as always, is your Texans credentialed media member, Sports Illustrated's own, Cody Davis. Thank you to our new listeners and viewers. If this is your first time, make sure that you do us a favor and like, comment, subscribe, to the Locked On Texans podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, and to our returning players from the Himalayas, all of our returning ears, thank you for lending your ear another day as we continue to talk Texans here on this Thursday. Blake Cashman was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Mm. I thought he had the best defensive, from a linebacker standpoint, the best game for a linebacker that's in the Houston Texans jersey this year. So we'll dive into that to close off today's show. The conversation, Cody, is super excited to talk about who was a better rookie at quarterback, who had the better Ooh. rookie season, C.J. Stroud or Deshaun Watson. But we're going to open up today's show looking at the Houston Texans adding sophomore edge rusher J. Sanders out of Cincinnati. Was a part of that Cincinnati class last year that had Sauce Gardner, hmm. Kobe Bryant, Alec Pierce. Maje was also in that class of Cincinnati Bears that came out. Uh, Ritter, had a very good Desmond year. Ritter. Desmond Ritter was a part of that class. How could I forget about Desmond Ritter? They had a very good year uh, after they their, their last year in college, Cody. When you look at Maje Samuel S- Sanders, excuse me, uh, had some time with Matt Burke, who was his defensive coordinator for some time with the Arizona Cardinals last season, three sacks mm-hmm. on a year. Uh, he also had about 16 defensive stops, so negative plays. He was active there, 13 hurries, 17 total pressures, uh, one quarterback hit. When you look at him as a player, you know, what is your biggest takeaway to the addition of Majay Sanders? That the Texans did something that everyone wanted to see them do, and that was add more depth to that defensive front. That's something that you and I talked about a lot on this show. We talked about it on yesterday. We was talking about whether or not or who or what type of player the Texans should look to trade for at the trade deadline. And this was basically the perfect scenario for the Houston Texans to get somebody like Sanders. John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe Sanders was a guy that both of us, especially you, was hoping that the Texans draft in last year's NFL draft. Yeah, man. If you guys remember, uh, if you're one of our real-life everydayers, <laughs> had that opportunity to go to Mobile, Alabama for the senior mm-hmm. bowl. I hope I get another opportunity uh, in 2024. But he was a guy that, even with his smaller frame, I thought stood out with how he was able to get after the quarterback, uh, how he used his hands. And I thought that – the weight would be an issue, but once he gets to the NFL regiment and work out, that could, you know, help out. I thought he would have been a good piece for Houston later in the draft, kind of like mm-hmm. where Houston took Thomas Booker. I thought for Houston it would have made sense to get Maje Sanders last year 
around that same round, fifth round draft pick. And so to see that come full circle, we talked about it last year, to see him back with his former defensive coordinator, but more importantly, to see him with a DC, you already know what I'm going with this, a development, development coach, coach. <laughs> and, and D'Amico Ryans. I think this is a great pickup for Houston. The only concern that I do have it is probably more so given a turmoil that has started or what's been going on in Arizona. Um, I do find it a little bit ironic that a guy this talented and this promising, John, you already ran, ran off his numbers through his um, career, but that's just last season alone. He has not played a game for this upcoming season. Right. I do know that he did um, sustain a major hand injury during training camp, and that's part of the reason why he fell out of rotation with the Arizonas for this um, for the 2023 season. Um, and he fell out of favor with management. I'm not going to hold that against him because I'm looking at this from a situation that this can be a breath of fresh air for this young man to finally, you know, get his career back on the right track. Last year I had a pretty promising year. You bring him here to Houston Texans, um, adding him to that defensive line unit is going to be very crucial for, I'm going to go ahead on and say it, John, listeners and viewers, the playoff push that the Texans can possibly, possibly be on when they come back from their Bowie. John, you already mentioned it, man. He's going to have an opportunity to learn from D'Amico Ryan, somebody that we always say development coach. Um, a lot of players, Jimmy Ward even talked about it, how just learning and developing under Coach D'Amico Ryan brought out the best in certain players. And I think it's going to be the same thing with Sanders. By the way, he's young, so maybe if everything works works out, he could be a foundational piece for this organization moving forward. Yeah, and I also think when you look at Sanders and his time uh, in the NFL to this point, new GM this year, so I didn't mm -hmm. draft him last year. And I also think B.J. Ojulare just was a better prospect. And, of course, he was drafted to the Arizona Cardinals uh, this year. So he fell out of favor. Of course, didn't get an opportunity to compete due to the injury. But what I like most about the Maje Sanders sa signing is – Number one, there's no rush, right? And I think Houston mm -hmm. kind of has their hands full right now in terms of a player that you want to develop in Dylan Horton out of TCU, their rookie who has had some good moments for this team. But number two, I think he could possibly, potentially, be one of those pieces where in three years you're looking up and saying to yourself, wow, the Texans have a very good front seven because their front four is so versatile. Their front four is so deep at that position. And I'm looking at Maja as a guy that over the course of time, hopefully we can see him be a very good or above average third down pass rusher, situational guy to where we need for you to go in and get a sack here or make a play on third and eight, third and long situations. We have coached you up. We've gotten to, you know, gotten you in our program. And we'll be able to see you go out there and make that play. So I'm not looking for Maje to come here and be a stud off the bat. And honestly, again, there's no rush to play him. Going back to my point about Dylan Horton, who I think priority-wise, if you're looking at the priority list, Dylan Horton is above Maje because I've been here. I've been busting my tail. Maje just got here. In a, in a sense, not saying there's – It ain't going to be long, like though. It might not be long. <laughs> It may not, but as of right now, you, you want to make sure that you continue to give Dylan Horton his snaps. Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the season, we'll see how Houston brings him along. 
at the end of games for the next three to four weeks, I can see after they come back off, off the bye, I can see Houston using them in you know many spurts, 5% of the defensive plays, uh, 10% here, 13, 18, not too much. You definitely want to get them out on that field. But I like the idea of building this D-line, how the San Francisco 49ers built theirs. You're going to have guys that you bring them back and, you know, the year prior, maybe you only got two sacks, maybe you only got three sacks, right? But they're able to get after the quarterback while everybody else is able to get after the quarterback. So those numbers add up. We know the San Francisco 49ers under D'Amico Ryans was very good at getting after the quarterback. They had guys three and a half, five here. They were collectively good as a unit. And then after that, you look at just developing different ways to make him a better player, right? And I think that for Houston, that's important right now because you know from a coaching standpoint, when you look at D'Amico Ryans, the defense is always going to be that bread and butter of this team, right? We know how great of a player C.J. Stroud is being, but you have a defensive coach and that's his bread and butter. That's his mark. I'm going to make hmm. life for your offense, pure hell. And to do that, you got to be able to have guys that can do a multitude of things on a football field. So that's what I like about the Majay Sanders signing. I like that he can be one of those third down guys, a situational guy that you can trust to go in and make a play, along with Dylan Horton. So, you know, and again, three years down the line, you're looking and you're saying to yourself, Will Anderson, he's a double-digit sack guy. We'll see how the future looks with John Grenard. Right, maybe he's around. I think he's got a Houston should prioritize, bring it back. But across the D line, if you take Will Anderson away, who potentially can be a double digit sack guy, you're looking at three guys that can combine for 15 to 20 sacks. Hmm. That's good. That's great in this NFL. And with this news, the Houston Texans did release Corey Littleton linebacker, Corey Littleton. Cody, if you can, I forgot he was on the team. <laughs> I forgot he was a Houston Texan, but I hope he does bounce back and falls on his feet with a new with a new team. Uh, so that is the transaction for the day. Maje, Texan, Corey Littleton, free agent. Can't wait to tell you guys about bird dogs. And, and honestly, I would like to show them to you right now. I got them on perfect uh, stretch khaki shorts. They are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a sculpted look, making you look good, feel good, making you feel like prom time. Bird dogs do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit better. They fit way better than the regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dog fixed that issue by inventing the cloud knit fabric that looks just like a khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Keep on moving. It ain't only all on your tight. You can do the James Brown in them. You know what I'm saying? And Bird Dog uses the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com. Slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked on NFL at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You don't want to take off your bird dogs, you're not going to want to throw them in, in your hamper, you're not going to want to leave the house on a field trip, you're not going to want to go on vacation, you're not going to want to go see your in-laws, you're not going to want to go anywhere without making sure that you got an extra pair 
of bird dog shorts. I guarantee it. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday installment of Locked On Texans. And we all know it's a bye week, and the Houston Texans are 3-3 three and three at the moment, which means that they have already played six games so far this season. We have watched C.J. Stroud for six games so far as a rookie. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for us to have this conversation about who is and was the better rookie quarterback. C.J. Stroud and Deshaun Watson. Now, before we have this conversation, as everybody know, Tuesday we had an opportunity to talk to Nick Casario. He talked about a variety of topics. And, of course, one of the things that he talked about was the development and improvements that he have seen out of C.J. Stroud. Uh, I'd say his work ethic, his confidence, his demeanor, um, his belief. Um, I think D'Amico's talked about this quite a bit um, you know, in terms of your belief belief in yourself, belief in your teammates, belief in what you're capable of doing. I think the more you just focus on what you can control, which is your mindset and your performance on a day-to-day basis, and any player, specifically when you're a younger player, are you learning on a day-to-day basis? There's always something new that's going to take place or happen the first time that you go through it. Um, Can you not make the same mistake over and over, and can you build on some of the things that you've learned? I, I think the big thing with him is just his confidence, his belief in himself, his competitiveness, his pride, um, and the respect that he's earned with his performance from his teammates. Um, you're not named a captain. Just and being a captain is not a popularity contest, um, but when you're a captain as a rookie, um, which both he and, and Will are, it's really more about what you do and how you handle your job necessarily than what you say Um, but he cares a lot he has a lot of pride and he wants to go out there and perform well and do the best thing and the right thing for the team Um, and he's shown the propensity to do that I think from really from May to August you saw growth and development and then we've seen growth and development from Baltimore to New Orleans or whoever we played last week so there's still 11 more opportunities in front of us. So the challenges that we face next week against Carolina are going to be different than some of the challenges that some of the other teams have faced. So can you learn each week? Do you understand the opponent? Do you understand what's being asked of you? Um, and I'd say he's done a pretty exemplary job of that um, to this point. As we all know, C.J. Straw has had a phenomenal start to his career. But if we... We won and go back to 2017, John. Go ahead and throw the numbers up on the screen, please. I got you. I got you. (laughs) We can say the same thing for the former franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And, John, I think this is going to be a fun conversation. Listeners and viewers, please let us know who you're going to pick. But as you guys see the numbers, um, the numbers are basically the same six games of today's careers. Both of them has through for over 16,000 yards. Um, the QBR is kind of the same. It's leaning in favor of Deshaun Watson because six games into his career, he had a QBR of 103, while C.J. Stroud is at 96.4. Um, Deshaun Watson, my God, six games in. The man had his behind handed to him by a terrible offensive line with 19 sacks. And when you take a look at C.J. Stroud's number, he has been sacked a total of 13 times so far this season. But, John, if you had to pick, who is the better rookie quarterback? Six games into the NFL career. Who are you picking? Deshaun Watson 
Man, listen, y'all. I like to, I like to be theatrical at times. I think it adds to the show. Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. Really? I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna keep it real. Now, with that being said, let me say this: they are two totally different quarterbacks. What made Deshaun so great? What made Deshaun? What Dabo Sweeney called him at one point, the Michael Jordan of the quarterback position. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. as a fan of the game, I would like to see him return to that form at some point. The Browns have an amazing defense, and the Houston Texans have to take on the Browns this year. So, but when you look at Deshaun Watson, you saw the 19 uh, passing yards, uh, touchdowns up there. He also rushed for a couple of that year. He also, before he went down with the ACE, I think he had around. 300 rushing yards, and the thing about Deshaun Watson is athletically he was able to keep a play alive using his legs while mm-hmm. still being able to keep his eyes downfield. Now, C.J. Stroud is able to do the same thing, but what he doesn't benefit from, like Deshaun did, is DeAndre Hopkins. It's Will Fuller is the offensive power that Deshaun had his rookie year, the Lamar Miller at running back. Things like that is what Deshaun Watson, I believe, ultimately benefited from, but athletically – he is a much superior quarterback in terms of how he's able to play that position. When I look at C.J. Stroud, C.J. doesn't have the under offense. C.J. does not have the offensive firepower that Deshaun Watson did. C.J. is benefiting from a better offensive line for sure, uh, bar none, but they are two totally different quarterbacks. And what I think I like more about CJ Stroud over Deshaun is how accurate he is with the football, his touch on the football as a passer. That's where you start comparing apples and oranges. Two totally different pl- quarterback styles, two totally different quarterback play. But I love how CJ has been able to just with the weapons and lack thereof, firepower, firepower around him. Been able to take get the most out of out of not I'm not gonna say nothing, but get the most out of the mm-hmm. lack. Deshaun came into the league, and I mean he had a number one receiver in the NFL, not a number one receiver on his team. DeAndre Hopkins was the number one receiver in the NFL. At times when he was healthy, he had. Uh, Will Fuller, right? And then you also always had to kind of sprinkle in different playmakers. Houston was able to get at different times. But when we look at rookie year success through six games, it's hard to argue with 22 compared to nine. Mm-hmm. Better QBR, better better TD, uh, but more TDs, slightly more passing yards. And I also think, again, the beneficiaries was there for Watson. Like, if you give – C.J. Stroud, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Oh my god! I, I gotta roll with I gotta roll with four on this one. But you that know, doesn't take away what I love about C.J. and his game. You know, for me, it's tough because let me let me just go ahead and say this. I think six games into their careers. As much as I loved, and I do mean loved, watching Deshaun Watson as a rookie, I think I might have to give the edge to C.J. Stroud. Only because 
six games into his season, John, you already talked about it. Deshaun was more athletic and he was more entertaining from like an entertaining standpoint. With CJ, you talk about his accuracy. To me, six games in, CJ, I'm looking at him when I compare it to Deshaun Watson's rookie season. He was just a little bit more fundamentally sound. And when you have a rookie that is fundamentally sound this early in his career, the sky is the limit for what he's going to do for the rest of this season. And not only that, the sky is the limit for what he's going to do moving forward. I do want to mention this. It is apples to oranges when you compare both quarterbacks because there are things that C.J. Stroud has in his favor that Deshaun Watton, Deshaun Watton did, didn't and vice versa. You already talked about that Deshaun was coming to a team where you had D-Hop as your number one wide receiver. You went healthy. Will Fuller was definitely a promising wide receiver. You want to mention the run game? At this point in time, Lamar Miller was the better running back. However, the one thing that Deshaun Watson didn't have was a coaching staff and an offensive coordinator that will listen and make adjustments to the strong suits of your players. That's something that C.J. Stroud has talked about, Tank Dale has talked about, Nico Collins has talked about. A lot of the players on the offensive side of the ball has talked about how they have a working relationship with Bobby Sloyd as the offensive coordinator. We know through the four or five years of Sean Watson was here, we knew play calling was holding him and that team back for majority of the time. However, C.J. Stroud, man, I just think his ability to work with what he has and to win is the difference as to why I'm going to pick C.J. over Deshaun because I'm not about to sit here and say that Deshaun Watson doesn't make his players better or he can't utilize the weapons that he had. I mean, we seen him do it in 2020. I mean, 2020 Deshaun is still one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever seen. Forget the four wins throughout the window. I mean, the man threw for over 5,000 yards, and that was after D-Hop left. He was balling with Chad Hansen as his number one wide receiver for like two games because I think Brandon Cooks was hurt, and then you had the issue going on with Will Fuller and stuff like that. Like, he knew how to work with what he had, but to see C.J. Stroud do it this early, I mean, hell, he got Nico Collins already having a career year as of yeah, right we now. Can't, we can't argue – so we can argue situations, and of course, it's going to be in favor of, of CJ. But, but, but that's why I say, like, if we argue strictly the quarterback, a rookie years through six games, arguing twenty-two touchdowns, just around the same amount of passing yards. I'm also going through more adversity because I'm getting sacked more, and the league was totally different in terms of player hits and quarterback protections. I know it's only six years ago, but it was totally different then compared to now. Um, every the adversity that Deshaun had. Remember, CJ at least started the year off as a starter. I don't know why Bill O'Brien decided <laughs> to give Tom Savage that role. Like, but just look strictly at the six games of a rookie year. Deshaun Watson was the better quarterback in the NFL. I I, I don't know, man. I I truly don't know. Like, put it like this: I would say, as great. As CJ Straw has been to start off his career, at least to me, I don't think CJ has had a moment to say the least. Like Deshaun, six games in, 
he already had the game against Tennessee where I think the Texans ended up winning like 54 to 14. He had like four touchdowns and one interception. Then you had the phenomenal game, everybody's favorite game, one of my favorite games in franchise history when the Texans lost 41-38, I believe it was, against the Seattle Seahawks. Deshaun Watson played for phenomenal but here's the catch and this is why i think if you flip cj if you flip the show for cj knowing how cj can protect the football i think the houston texans win that game only because yes the played phenomenal four touchdowns but he had three interceptions cj Stroud has already proven that he can take care of football at least six games in so accuracy fundamental and just looking at what he's working with in terms of the wide receiving core, because if we go back to conversations that we was having about Deshaun, oh man, arguably the best quarterback in the draft, and you teaming him up with D Hop and Will Fuller, the run game, yada, 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 yada. Even though we was excited about CJ, majority of the time, we like, who is he going to throw the ball to? We was hoping that Nico can stay healthy. We was hoping Tank Dale could be the steal of the draft. Like, we was doing a lot more hoping, but at the end of the day, man, I just hope that the Texans <laughs> have an opportunity to continue building with CJ, man, keep their relationship strong. And by the way, looking back at these numbers, looking back at the highlights, man, Deshaun Watson was something special here in Houston. He was fun. He was mm-hmm. fun. And with mm-hmm. CJ, make sure that you can keep him past the first year that extended deal of that contract Please after you do. signed him. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Uh, if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place to get in on the action. Right now, listen, you can bet on the spreads, the player props, the over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on NFL and kick off the NFL season the right way, the proper way. Get some extra bread in your pockets. Get some dough in the oven. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Welcome back in Locked on Texan listeners and viewers. We got to take time out of today's show to mm-hmm. give some love, congratulate, and just really highlight Blake Cashman, who Sunday's game, I think we can just stamp and say to this point, of the season that was the best performance we've seen from a linebacker i think the jacksonville jaguar game christian harris would probably be number two on that list i say him and henry t would be tied because i think that was a game maybe if not jacksonville maybe the pittsburgh steelers game where i think Christian had like 14 tackles and I think Henry T. Yeah, it was the Steelers. 14 tackles and Henry T had, I believe it was 10. 10, 10. So I would oh, say so they both of them was tied. We're seeing we're seeing some ascending performances from the linebacker group, a thin group, but to this point, they've been playing decent, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you look at Blake Cashman being named the ALC defensive player of the week, guys. Cody, what is your biggest takeaway from that? That once again, we're looking at a situation where adding Coach D'Amico Ryans was very important for player development. Blake Cashman is part of the reason why there's a lot of hope in the Texans' defense moving forward. Monday afternoon, a day after his career day against the New Orleans Saints, I had an opportunity to ask Coach D'Amico Ryans about 
Cashman's performance, but not only that, what has it been like just watching his growth ever since training camp? With Blake, I say what I see in Blake is the more he's gotten, the more opportunities that he's gotten, you know, he's continues to show up and make plays. And Blake is a guy who is, as most of you guys been throughout training camp, Blake was a guy who was caught making an interception a day or causing a fumble. He was always productive on the ball, and it showed right in training camp. So it's kind of no surprise he gets in the game and he has PBUs, big-time plays, continues to show up. And Blake has done a great job with what he's been given, right? the opportunities that he's been given. He's showing up. And he's made big time plays for us, and he's earned the right to get more time. Yeah, shout out to D'Amico Ryan's right there, and we we can't take away or stress enough how good of a development coach D'Amico has been since arriving. I'm looking at Blake Cashman's numbers uh, right now. He is on pace to have a career year, Cody. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. his best year came back in 2019. Played in seven total games, had 40 total tackles. A half a sack, one from a recovery. Then you look at last year for Houston in 16 games, 26 total tackles, 19 solos. He did have three sacks and one forced fumble. But as of right now for the Houston Texans, through five games, 32 total tackles, uh, one interception, one forced from a recovery, four pass deflections. And I think when you look at Blake Cashman specifically for this year, what stands out the most is how good of a coverage linebacker he's been for this defense and that has been an issue for the Houston Texans for the last couple of years just having good linebackers that can drive back in coverage and so he's doing his part there he's kind of been an all every man type of deal and with each meets game and more opportunities he's been able to stand out a little bit more I also think not only adding my Samuel Sanders I don't know why he want to say Sanders but adding my Sanders of course is a big reason to why they let Corey Littleton go. But if you look at the play of Blake Cashman, his play has kind of made Corey Littleton a little bit expendable as a player, not a person, as a player. And, again, we want to pray that he bounces back on his feet and gets signed to another NFL team around the league. But I I, I want to say to Blake Cashman, deserve it. You know, live in this moment. Uh, You've earned it. You had a phenomenal game on Sunday versus – the New Orleans Saints and that fourth and fourth that fourth and four stop where he took away I think that was Jawan Johnson but he took away the read to the linebacker to the tight end and then he immediately crashed down after taking that read away and helped make a play on Alvin Kamara that that play alone has as really that, that's been the play for me that has been probably the best play I've seen a linebacker make here in Houston uh, this year, maybe in some time now. So kudos to Blake Cashman. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texans podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube, and just throw me a follow on X, formerly known as Twitter, at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.